When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we got good news today, and so we're going to have fun today. You know, it's it's been kind of a, a dark time, and actually, you know what I want to talk about too, because it has been a dark time, but the truth is, like, Colorado hasn't lost a football game in months, and the wins and losses are what matter, um, but, but I want to talk a little bit about just where the Buffs stand, um... I want to talk about Tommy Brown, the new offensive lineman coming in from Alabama. Um, that sounds nice, and I'm excited. And I don't want to like turn a really fun piece of news that turns today into a really good day for CU into just like a sad time. Um, but you know, it is worth remembering the, the transfers the Buffs picked up last year. You know, the it, it sounds really nice to say, oh, offensive lineman from Ohio State linebacker from Notre Dame, linebacker from Oklahoma, uh, offensive lineman from Iowa. The truth is they didn't get much production. So we're going to we're going to talk about Tommy Brown and and be excited as we should be because he does seem like he should be a pretty good football player. But um it is worth remembering just what uh what's what's been going on um with these transfers but also why maybe we overreacted so so we're gonna dig into the tommy brown stuff we'll probably lead off with that uh get into um why maybe we don't need to be quite so pessimistic about the buffs right now um which i know is a hot take and then we're gonna close things out with some fun you know since this big run of transfers happened uh we haven't had a chance to just go through and build a depth chart and that's one of the most fun things we can do in the offseason. And that's why you try to put it off as long as you can. Um, but now that we have one more piece on the offensive line, I think that we can dig in. You know, we've touched on some of these positions specifically as as there have been changes. But we haven't gone through and done the whole thing as, as just one one topic, one one project. Um, so, so I, earlier today, went through, put... All of uh, all of the players on the Buffs roster currently in order, and um, basically built a depth chart at every position. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna close things out with that, which should be a lot of fun. You know, there's there's a lot of guys I'm excited to see, and um, yeah. So so there's the plan for today. Also, one more quick note. Boy, do I hate this 5:30 tip off. Um, Colorado plays USC. We talked. If if you want to hear about that, I should say this too. Um, if you're if you're listening in this small window between when I'm recording this podcast and this game tipping off at 5:30, go back and listen to yesterday's because we talked about the game a little bit more. So 
in the second half of that podcast. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that was Wednesday night, talk about the game, Thursday night. Um, so today for the Thursday show, we're going to skip the basketball talk because there's really nothing new to say until after the game. Tomorrow, Friday, we'll talk about uh, everything that happens in the game tonight. And we'll talk about the UCLA game that'll be next up. And then at some point over the weekend, there might even be a live post-game show for this UCLA game. We're still working through the details there, but uh, that could be on the way. But yeah, these 5.30 games, the, you know, it's it's weird. It's the, the people who work at DMVR who, like, you know, they, they cover the Nuggets, for example. Well, they build their whole life around the Nuggets basketball games. And, and that's when they work is, like, a couple hours after that. And it turns out to be late nights and they have the day free, whatever. Guys who cover the Broncos. There's, uh, you know, Sundays are busy. They have practice typically in the morning to, to maybe early afternoon during the week, during the season. And so they can have, with, with college reporting, you have a football team that's doing things during the day and there's news coming out all day. And then there's these basketball games at night and you can make it work. But when they're at 530 and so I, I'm leaving Denver at like four tonight and it's two now and it's like, okay, gym's not going to happen. Food is 50-50 at this point. Shower needs to happen. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a hectic time. And it's partially hectic because there, there was a really cool announcement this morning. Not just Tommy Brown, but uh, the, the new NIL marketplace. So we're going to talk more about that tomorrow as well. Um, but, but just real quick... The, the key notes here, because it is really important news. The bus just announced that they have a marketplace for businesses, for individuals, for whatever, to sign up in this online portal and basically be put in touch with, with athletes. Um, I, I'm curious to see what it looks like. Actually, DNVR, I, I'm not sure if we're signed up or if we, we are in the process of signing up. I'm pretty sure we got in on it this morning, but I'm going to be really curious to go in and just see what it looks like, because it sounds like it kind of looks like Facebook, but for... NIL stuff. And so if somebody says like, hey, we're looking for um, some some soccer coaches. We, we want to have a, a soccer camp and, and we'll give you guys a hundred bucks a day uh, for these three days to come from coach these kids. They'll then the soccer players scrolling through will be like, hey, look, soccer camp. Let's do that. Um, and, and, and so you can do that. It, autograph signings or we'll, we'll give any CU athlete however much money to, to tweet this or post it, whatever. And so it just makes it really easy to get in contact and for people to see what what the market is. You know, that's always the tough part with the NIL deals is just knowing what's out there, knowing what the value is and all these sorts of things. Because if you're, what, I'm across the street from, oh, Cosmos Pizza, that's a great example. Um, if you're Cosmos Pizza and you're like, we want to do an NIL deal, uh, it's, it's tough to know where to start, right? Like, obviously, you, you go on Twitter, you, you find some athlete that you want to, to work with on Twitter, you send them a DM and say like, hey, here's my email, here's my phone number. Um, you mind giving me a call or, or what's your email so I can reach out? We, we want to try to set things up. But then you say, well, what is, what is that worth? What is a tweet from Brendan Lewis worth? Do we offer this kid 20 bucks? Is that super, super insulting to do to the starting quarterback? Do we offer him $1,000? That seems like a lot. Is that even worth? And so you have the questions about the price, you have to find ways to get in contact with these people who, who don't have agents, and most of them have never gone through a process like this before. And so it's it's a lot of people trying to feel things out separately and in private channels. And, you know, what, what Cosmos learns going through that process isn't passed along to the other businesses. You know, they don't, the other businesses don't say, oh, so Cosmos was worth... $200 for the tweet from the starting quarterback. That's good to know. Now we can go to this receiver and kind of like tweak the numbers from now that this is kind of public, now that this is more open-ended and that student athletes can see what's out there, the other businesses can see what's out there, they can figure out how to get in touch. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think it opens some doors and you know, this is only the first step. You got to see how it works out. But I can tell you that DNVR is excited um, and you know, we, we haven't talked much about it. It's, it's, wow. We are going to go so long today. There's no way I'm getting to the gym. We're this deep and haven't touched on Tommy Brown yet. But, um, the, the point is, I mean, 
at DMVR, we like to do NIL stuff for a bunch of reasons. First of all, if, if we can sell however many Nate Landman shirts we sell and he gets half the money and we get half the money, that just makes good business sense for both of us, right? And on top of that, we get Nate out there promoting our stuff. So this podcast is noticed by more people. More people are clicking on the articles, following on Twitter, tuning into the YouTube stuff, all that stuff, which means more money for us on the back end as well. Um, so there's the business aspect, of course. But then there's also other things like we, we want to help Nate out. Like student athletes in Boulder... Student athletes in general, like they, they deserve to be able to profit off this stuff. And if DNVR can help and, and support the student athletes who are doing these things, we feel good about doing that. And so it, it makes my heart a little bit warm to say like, oh yeah, whatever soccer player, if we could figure something out and bang, there's a couple bucks in your pocket. That's pretty cool because you guys are doing cool things. And there are a lot of little girls who look up to you and who want to do what you do and there is value there and you provide to the community in, in the way that you do so so let's see if we can support those those people um and then of course like oh sorry gotten calendar notification so many things to do but um yeah i mean for from dnvr's perspective this is exciting because there's different things that we want to do and making it easier to do that is easier for us and it's better for the school and there's it needs to pan out that like you gotta see the results is the the bottom line but i do think that it's a really cool move and i'm excited to get my hands on our login and just look through what's available there oh and the other thing with dmvr is like i don't think i've said this before but our nil deal with nate was one of the biggest of anybody on the football team um, and, and I, it, it honestly may have been the biggest. And like I said, the way that that worked, and I actually don't have all the details, but, but he gets half of the shirt profits and there might've been some like bonus in there or something where he just gets this on top of that or whatever. But just in running through the, what, what I've heard, um, it is interesting to know that, that that's the case. And that if, if we do, throw a couple more NIL deals out there, which is the plan, obviously, to, to make more shirts and to, to create those relationships and do all those sorts of things, have people on the podcast more and, and give them money to do it. You know, that's what radio stations have always done. Um, you know, it, it just makes sense on so many levels, and I think this will make it a lot easier. Um, and that's just from the DNVR perspective. Uh, let's see, what else, what else? Oh, I do want to say, like, on top of all that, it is a weird thing, like, giving money to the athletes you cover like journalistically that is not typically the, the way things go down in fact like you know if you if you work for the new york times or washington post or basically any newspaper or any of the big tv not any of the big tv networks we let's not get into tv news there's there's a bunch that's happening there but but with newspapers um they typically have rules like we just don't pay for interviews that's a conflict of interest we also like we're not going to let you take us out for lunch. We're not going to take you out for lunch unless it's very weird circumstances. We just talk and get the information and there's no no reason to be biased at all. And that makes sense for a whole bunch of purposes um, and that is important in their roles. But at the same time, you know, radio stations they'll they have players on all the teams that they pay and say like hey come on come on this show once a week and we'll talk um the the tv stations you know you'll see a lot like the players going out to sports bars to do interviews I and mean, typically those get like a couple hundred dollars and so it is this weird line of like what is okay and what is not and and this whole nil thing has put me in a situation to really evaluate all that stuff um, but the truth is, like, say, uh, you know, Montana's been doing all sorts, Montana Lemonius Craig, all sorts of NIL stuff. And it's been really fun to watch and really fun to keep in contact with him. I think uh, two hours ago, he was doing some uh, some NFT Discord Q&A thing for 30 minutes where some small little, like, I don't know, crypto bro thing was like, hey, Montana, come on. And, and, and their tweet, that, that account had, like, 
200 followers or something on it. But Mon- but when they tweeted, hey, Montana's coming on to do this Q&A, like 56 retweets, hundreds of likes. And because Montana's pushing it. And it's not like Montana is... He's not Brendan Rice, right? For for different reasons. But he can do that. And he's found these different things. It turns out he has an NFT, which I had no idea. But but Montana, for example, it's just kind of been fun. And I, I want to bring him on to talk about some of this stuff. But like... We've talked to him from DNVR about about potential NIL things, and like Chris Fusilay breaks Blake Street Tavern has a thing. There's a chicken place in uh, in Boulder, I think a wings place where he gets they have something on the menu named after him, and and it's just been fun to watch Montana at like 1920 like work the phones and and talk to all these different people and and try to figure out what he can do. And for him, this will obviously make things a lot easier too. Um, but you know, for us, if it's like the off season, it's like Montana, come tell us about this stuff. It's good content. We'll get we'll get a lot of attention. Come down to the bar. We'll we'll get you some free food. We'll hook you up with some some cash too. And now this becomes so much easier. Um, and and again, it's because Montana is like he is a public figure. You know, and he, he's he's not Leo DiCaprio. He's he's not uh, I don't even know uh, Pat Mahomes, but he is still a public figure. And the truth is, like, he while he probably would come down and do it for free, it just makes sense. Like, you're you're putting the time in to come do this. This is outside like your normal media responsibilities that come with being on the team. You, you deserve to have some cash. And so, I don't know. This has been a long NIL t- tangent. We're 15 minutes in. We've got a lot to talk about. But the point is we'll actually be talking about NIL stuff tomorrow when we're done talking about basketball. And the reason we're waiting until tomorrow is because I'm, uh, I'm talking with a couple people tonight about um, just kind of the process that, that went into building this thing, what the goals are, why they think it's going to work, all that sort of stuff. So I can report back with just a little bit more information about all that tomorrow and hope honestly i should probably get in touch with montana too and just see what's what's up with him um all right wow 15 minutes in you're kidding me 222 i've got to leave soon um tommy brown let's just dig into that now so tommy brown is very exciting um, he's a six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pound lineman from Alabama. How can you not love that sentence? Uh, he, he came from Matter Day High School in Santa Ana, California. They're like a national powerhouse year in and year out. Um, always a top ten team in the country. They compete for national titles. Like they're they're really, really, really good. So the pedigree of Matter Day to Alabama, pretty much unbeatable. Um, when he was a recruit, he was the number four guard in the country. That was a 2018 class. I think he wound up being around 150 overall um, and like 16 or 19 or something like that in California. Those numbers all come from 24-7 sports as always. Um, great prospect. The size, the the history, all that kind of stuff. Um, he goes to Alabama, red shirts his freshman year, and... You know, Alabama is an interesting school. Like the way that the football programs run from, you know, D3 all the way up to Alabama, like there's a very wide range. And the way that Alabama works, along with like maybe Ohio State, and I don't, I don't even know I put Georgia in that category, but it's a, uh, you basically redshirt your freshman year or don't play much. Um, unless you're just a freak. Like, if you're really tearing it up during, during camp, then it's like, okay, I guess we got we to gotta put him on the field. It's in that second year where you kind of get your opportunity. Um, and, and when you get that opportunity, it's like, okay, does this kid pop? Is he, is he going to be one of the best players in the country at his position? And is he going to give us a reason to play him and make us say we cannot let him ride the bench? And if you pop, then obviously you're kind of in the club. And if you don't pop, then you typically have a couple more years on the bench before, you know, your junior year, senior year, you pop up again and it's like, okay, 
we have whatever young guy who's now getting this year two opportunity or he's a five star and he gets a year one opportunity. Can can he beat out this guy who we know is well coached, has been in our strength program for a few years, and that's the way the battle works. It's always like this this freakish young guy with an old guy kind of figuring out. So so he got his opportunity in year two. And he he started a game at right tackle, which is interesting. Obviously, at six foot seven, he, he probably has the length to play that position. Um, and and he didn't stick. You know, he 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 wound up playing. What was it? I think two hundred and fifty six snaps. Uh, oh, I don't have it still added together. Seventy three plus fifty six plus a hundred. So 220-something snaps, 229 snaps over the course of the past three years. Um, we got more opportunities last year. Actually started a game at guard. Um, I think it might have been the last game of the regular season. It, w- it was as the season was winding down. So it's not like he was buried on the depth chart, uh, but he obviously never became a, a full-time starter. Again, this is a similar conversation to, we, to what we had with Max Ray last year when Max was a pretty consistent backup at Ohio State. I think he also may have gotten a start, but but that was a COVID start. You know, everybody's sick, and it's like, okay, we got these five guys in. See what these five guys do. Um, and on top of that, you know, Bama's offensive line, it's a step above Ohio State's. The same time, though, coming off of what we just saw from Max Ray, which was that he, he really did struggle in the times that he was healthy on the field, um... That has to give you some pause, right? The Buffs didn't necessarily just land the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12, or even the best offensive lineman that is on the team right now. I think that it's important to remember the transfers last year. You know, Robert Barnes made a couple plays as a sub-linebacker. I think we thought, and, you know, from from the way that CU was kind of pushing him, kind of marketing him, I think CU probably thought that this was going to be one of the impact players on the defense, you know, a starter on this defense. And he didn't start. He subbed in. He did some good things. He he showed a couple of weaknesses. And he's back for one more year. And so we'll see what Robert Barnes can do in his final season. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. You know, Max Ray, obviously things didn't pan out. I think he's he medically retired. And uh, in, in Max Ray's case, you know, he's being coached by Mitch Rodrigue. The offensive line as a whole was bad. And that makes it really hard to to play well when you're being coached poorly. And, you know, if you're letting somebody in, hell, he, he might not even get to the quarterback because Jake Wiley on the other side got beat faster. Not to pick on Jake Wiley, but just as an example. Um, so there we go. Uh, I guess we can throw more names out there. You know, JT Shrout could have kind of changed the way that we saw this transfer class if he'd come in and been a competent starting quarterback. Uh, you have... Uh, Noah Fenske, who's more of a younger guy, who we'll talk about more when we talk about the offensive lineman coming in from Iowa. You know, Jack Lamb also has a couple years of eligibility left, um, and so maybe expecting big things out of him was was a stretch. And, you know, he obviously provided one of the plays of the season, a play that you could make the case was kind of the, the turning point or even a deciding factor in that game against Washington with the 88-yard scoop and score on the fumble. Um but overall, the, the transfers last year really didn't make much of an impact. And so, temper the expectations with Tommy Brown. It is really exciting. He's a really big lineman. And the truth is, I'd be shocked if he doesn't start. I think with two years of eligibility, with what he has under his belt, the competition there, I think he should get a starting role. And I think that there is a really good chance that he is their best lineman. I think there's a chance that he can turn out to be an all-conference lineman. But... Uh, there, you, you got to prove it on the field. Let's not let's not start acting like we did last season. Because boy, was I disappointed when we saw how some of that turned out. And that honestly kind of gets into the kind of the big conversation that I wanted to have today. Um, just some thoughts that I've been having, and I don't want this to feel like I'm talking you guys off the ledge after this off season. Um, but you know. I've actually been talking with Brian Howell a lot recently because, I mean, obviously there's a lot to talk about and we don't see each other very often because there aren't, you know, there isn't practice every day to go to. Um, and so there've been a lot of, a lot of texts and DMs and, 
they just like, oh, you, how much you think Makai plays? How much you think Brendan plays? You know, all that kind of stuff, and just bouncing those sorts of ideas off each other. Um, but we kind of wound up having one of those conversations on normal Twitter, like out in front of people uh, a couple nights ago. And there, there, I mean, when that happens, you you get responses from the the general fan base, obviously. Like that's how Twitter works, and because of that. Um, it kind of opened up some of the conversations that, that are had, you know, um, things like, why aren't you guys harder on the CU? Like all that. Kind of, and first of all, I mean, we don't, we've had one conversation with Carl since the end of the season and signing day, he made it pretty clear. He wanted to talk about signing day. He actually kind of snapped it at Brian, um, for asking some non-signing day questions, questions that, you know, if you had an end of the season press conference, would have been asked there. Doesn't matter. And so, first of all, it's like, well, when would that have happened? But, but also, a bigger picture. You know, I, I try not to fall victim to the moment. And and here's 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 how I see where CU is, and I guess more specifically where Carl is at this point in his tenure on Boulder. Um, Five-year contract, and I think that that means that you probably evaluate him over five years. And honestly, that part doesn't even come into play yet. You know, you look at what he did in 2020, that was that was a win for Carl. Carl had a good first season. Going 4-1, and one, even if you did dodge some of the better teams in the conference, especially, especially if you factor in the circumstances, you know, being hired late, no spring ball, the Sam Neuer at quarterback, some of those things, he... He really did a good job in 2020, and I, that's not even arguable. You know, you go four and one in the regular season. The the bowl game against Texas, you know, that's that's a little bit of a knock, I guess. But but still, you have to give him plus marks for his first year. The second year, this past season, that's a loss. That's a loss for Carl. And I don't I don't necessarily look at these past two seasons and say, well, Carl's at one and one. He's batting 500. He's basically where he started. I do weight 2021 a little bit more heavily, um, mostly because there's more games. You play tougher opponents. Uh, you had one more year to get your feet under you, even though I don't think you really got your feet under you at all in that first season. Um, you know, some of these things that would happened, you, you would expect the exodus of players to have happened when he was first hired. Um, but but because that was so late, it didn't happen. The pandemic didn't happen. And so this this turnover, which is usually what causes a coach to really sink early on and then build up from there, you know, that low point typically comes in year one. Everything was just skewed. And so I do look at and say like eight and 10 record at Colorado. That's basically where you grade them to this point, I think. Um, the recency bias would have you think that, well, if going forward, he's he's in a tough spot trying to build out of a four-win season. Um, but, but so far I have Carl graded basically at that level, eight and 10. Um, and whatever you want to call that, is that a, a C probably a C so far, but here's the big thing is I'm grading based on what happens in the games. You know, this is, this is something you talk about more in pro sports, right? Like, uh, you, you don't, it, the goal isn't to win the off season, you know, there's a lot of teams that in the NFL where they, they get the big free agent signings. They have the, the draft class that all the draft nerds are like, oh, yeah, these are the guys we liked. And so everybody says, oh, they just won the offseason. But that isn't what matters. What, hap- what matters is what happens during the season. And for Carl, you know, you look at what has happened and say, this doesn't look good. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like the the talent is there to to do the things that I think you want to do this season but again that bill hasn't come due yet that that bill comes due whatever September 2nd September 3rd whatever day that is and then once a week for the next few months from there on, from there on um i think that you just in in broad terms if you were to try to simplify what has happened this off season i would say you lost talent on your roster. The, the, the level of talent on your roster has gone down. Um, and, and not just talking about the transfers, losing Nate Lamon and Carson Wells and those guys as well. You know, the talent on this roster has gone down over the offseason. Um, I would also say that the coaching staff, however you want to 
say that. The talent on the coaching staff has gone up. Um, now, is it enough to offset the the roster talent loss? I don't know. And, I mean, I guess it's also worth noting that there's still a couple scholarships open. They're still likely to lose a couple of guys. And in that little bit of turnover, that might change the balance between those two things a little bit more. If they're able to add more talent, then they lose the rest of the way, which seems very likely to me. Uh, mostly because how much talent is there to lose? And uh, you really, really need to add some things at some spots, which we'll talk about um, in just a couple minutes. But the point is, the question for Carl now is, can he, with the help of the staff that he has built, coach up the players that he has on his roster? And the answer to that question doesn't come yet. You know, he's he's an 8-10 and 10 coach until he's an 8-11 and 11 coach or an 8-12 and 12 coach. And that's when you start to have some more of these conversations. Um, what, what more, there was one more thing I wanted to add in here. Um, and that's it. I mean, I guess just looking forward, you know, I, I think that it's really easy just to say like, oh, trending in the wrong direction, those sorts of things. And it's like, yeah, the momentum isn't there that the, the support from the fan base isn't there like it was before, but what matters is what happens on the field. And that's how he's going to be evaluated. That's how he should be evaluated. Um, as I mentioned early on, it's a five-year contract. Two years in, I would say, you know, eight and ten, just below 500. He's probably sunk his stock in terms of, like, odds of getting a second contract or however you want to, to phrase that. Um, but I don't think it's irredeemable. I think that odds are he's back after next season. I, I think it'd be unlikely that he gets fired after three seasons on the five-season contract. Um more likely is that after year four, he could be. And after year four, I think you probably do it if you haven't made a bowl game in that season. And I think that even if you make a, a bowl game this year, miss one next year, Carl's probably gone. Um, but I do think that if you make that bowl game in 2023, Carl gets to to coach in year five of his contract. That brings up other pro problems like coaching in the final year of a contract is generally things that people don't want to do on the coach's side or the administration side either. But I do think that that's probably where the standard is right now, just knowing what we know. Um, and it, it kind of sucks to be sitting here and saying, like, I, I do expect them to struggle in 2022. Uh, but, you know, the question is, can, can you keep that to four games, five games that you win because once you get down to the two games, three games, that's where I do think that, that Carl could could be on his way out if he doesn't get to that point. But again, my big thing is we grade what has happened on the field. And that is, at the end of the day, all that matters. Are you winning games or not? Are, if, if you want to go lock yourself in your office and not talk to anybody and whatever and that is just fine. If you want to be outgoing and, and all over, I mean, if, if you want to pick your nose all day and let the coaches do all of the coaching, or if you want to take total control and be uh, an egomaniac micromanager, whatever any coach wants to do, it's all just fine as long as you win. And while it's easy to look at the team now and say like, ah, yeah, but he's not going to win. You gotta, you gotta let him do it or not. And you know, the, the big question is, can he take the players that he has on his roster and coach them up to the point where he's able to win games this season. And, you know, you can you can take your guesses, but guesses aren't going to be what decides what his legacy at Colorado is. What's going to decide that legacy is winning and losing. And so I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, at the same time, you know, when we do talk to Carl next, questions are, you know, you lost some of your key contributors. How do you make up for that? Um, you lost some of your key contributors, so you know, are, are you concerned about the fact that that so many important players did choose to leave this program? Um, if you, if you were to to say like why why this happened, why you've seen this exodus, why why do you think that is? You know, do, do you th those sorts of questions will come up when when the time comes, um, but that time just hasn't come yet. Um, so there's a there's another little rant. We've been all over the place today. Like I said, I want to build this depth chart though. This is this is what I'm really excited about. And um, I actually spent probably too much time this morning going through and tweaking things. 
Um, but I like what I came up with. Um, real quick, though. Want to remind you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breckenridge makes so much of what we do here possible. Uh, they they sponsor so many of our podcasts, so many YouTube shows, so many events that we have, um, that sort of stuff. Um, and at the same time, you know, they do the same things for the University of Colorado and their sports up there, for the Nuggets and the Avs and the Broncos. They really are a, a big part of the sports community around town, and that's that's why we linked up with them. That's why this relationship, well, it's probably been like three years that they've been one of our, our, our biggest partners. Um, and because of that, like we like to support them. We appreciate when you support them. They're actually supporting the national parks conservation association. 1% of all of their profits are going to that group, the national parks conservation association, um, to help with all the things that Coloradoans typically really care about. Actually, is it Coloradoans, Coloradans? Ah, I'll figure it out later, but we love our parks, the forest fires, those sorts of things that happen. This is this is the group that, that kind of helps make sure that, that the national parks can come back from stuff like that and that they aren't understaffed when, when problems hit. Uh, so buy some beer, whether you're at the bar, whether you're at the grocery store, liquor store, check out the Breckenridge stuff. I love the Strawberry Sky. The seltzers are incredible. Can't go wrong. Get on it. And also, as we count down to Super Bowl 56, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app and an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an awesome promotion. They're giving you 56-1 to 1 odds on any playoff game this weekend. The way that that works is you bet $5 on any team to win their game, and you'll get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Um, it's it's an incredible deal. Um, it's only for new users. But again, like if you're a new user trying to get into sports betting, or even if you're not, if you just want to say like, hey, I want to see if I can hit the jackpot and get out, this is the way to do it because it costs you $5 and then you get $280 in free bets. The way those free bets work, I'm actually not sure what they are split into. They're typically split into like $20 increments or, or $30 increments, so something like that. And you can't just pull out the $280, but you don't have to like play it through 20 times or anything. So you just take like the first $20 free bet. Say you have, oh, why am I doing math again? Uh, 14, 14 $20 free bets might be how they break it up. You, you make 14 bets on different things, whether you want to take like the, the avalanche to win the, the championship and see if you can turn that $20 into like $80 or whether you just want to bet on individual games Use up all those free bets, cash out whatever you earn on it, and then boom, you can retire right there if you want. Or if you actually enjoy it or, or want to become a sports better, join all the rest of us, then you can use that money as just like the starting point in your account. And you don't have to worry about Because again, it's $5 to get that jump for your account. It's a great deal. You just got to pick one winner and you can turn $5 into $280 in free bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um, we can jump back in now and, and actually build this depth chart that I've been talking about for way too long now. Um, let's start with the offensive line. You know, Tommy Brown's the big news today. He's the reason we're jumping in and doing this. Um, we'll, we'll start with the big guys up front. So you lose a couple of starters. Colby Purcell is gone. You're starting center the past couple seasons. You, uh, you also lose, uh, Kari Kutch. Sorry, I'm blanking on names already. Um, but, but he's been a starter at guard. He was probably your best lineman last season. You're missing these two pieces in the trenches now. And I think that, that first of all, you expect Tommy Brown to fill one. He's probably taking a guard spot. Um, so I'm actually going to go in a different, I'm going to say Frank Phillip is a starter. You know, he's, he's been one of your best tackles. Um, there's some hype, but he, he dealt with some injuries last year, got off to a slow start, was kind of thrown into the fire when he wasn't, I mean, he, he hadn't been worked into game shape to that point. Um, he's got, is he one year of eligibility left? I think one year of eligibility left. Um, and, and I do think that he holds down a tackle spot. I think that he's probably one of the pieces you feel most confident about. Um, 
part of the reason I feel that way is that there isn't a lot of competition at tackle. So you have you have Frank Phillip, you have Jake Wiley, who started at left tackle for most of last season. Jake Wiley was a freshman. I think you expect him to get better this time around. I think that as of right now, you kind of pencil him in as a starter. There isn't a lot of competition, like I said. Um, Jared Christian Lichtenhan is the one guy that you really look to and say like, okay, he could compete. You'll remember he's the guy who's like, he's six foot 10. They call him the tank. Um, but Carl has been very clear that he is going to be a project and I would expect him to take another season before he's ready and then potentially step into Frank Phillips job. Um, even though Jake Wiley struggled at points, he he was a freshman and it was a poorly coached line. You now have Kyle Devan in there who I'm really excited about. And landing Tommy Brown is a great reason to get excited about him. Obviously if Tommy Brown is signing off, Hey, there's a, there's a big plus in that book in terms of other competition. I mean, like you look at Travis gray, who's a true freshman and say like at some point he's going to be a starting tackle for this team, like coming out of high school, leaving early. He's like six, six, 300 right now. It's it's probably it's probably too soon. You just don't see true freshmen play on honestly anywhere very often, but on the offensive line in particular. Um, so yeah, uh, Carter Edwards. I guess there's another tackle uh, in this class as well. Same thing. I mean, you just it's it, the odds of those guys beating out Jake Wiley, Frank Phillip. They seem slim. Um, when you look to the inside, I think Casey Roddick stands out. I think that he's been one of the better offensive linemen uh, recently. He rotated in at guard last year as part of that weird, weird rotation that was going on. Um, I think he gets one of the starting jobs. I think that Tommy Brown probably gets the other. And I think that they've had, honestly, Cedar has kind of been their strength. You know, you look at Austin Johnson, um, Josh Gines, I think Noah Fenske, the, the Iowa transfer who rode the bench last year but still has, I think, two years of eligibility left. Um, he's another guy who could factor in in there. And so you have more competition on the inside as it stands right now. Um, I, I do think that you're probably going to see more players added from the portal along the offensive line. And in particular, I think that you're probably looking for a tackle who can come in and compete. And who knows? Maybe two tackles who can compete or, or one tackle who can compete and another who can potentially play inside as well and build on that competition. So that's where I'd be looking. But, you know, the, the, there's an outside chance. You know, you've got an Austin Johnson, Jackson Anderson, even Edgar Amaya was a freshman last year. Maybe he's ready. Um, Carson Lee, who knows with, with his legal situation, what his circumstance is. But there's a there's a chance that, that he could be a factor here. Who knows? You never say never. Um so that's that's what that group is kind of looking like. Um, moving on to let's go tight ends. Tight ends, obviously Brady Russell back for one more year. He's he's your featured player at the position. He's the guy who's going to be moving around, doing a whole bunch of different things. Um, he's he's your number one. Um, the question is whether you can turn this into a group where there's two guys you really want on the field. Because um, I think that there's there's probably plenty of guys that you you want to get out there, but Nobody who really stands out as a clear number two. Um, CJ Schmansky, Nico Magri, they've been a part of this rotation, and I think that they're probably the, the easy answer for number two. Although, at this point, Caleb Fourier, Eric Olson, the odds that neither of them step up and claim that number two job, I, I personally think they're pretty slim. I think that those two guys are just these, these big-time talents um, who can be kind of that big play threat at the tight end position, come go catch the ball, but also are probably big enough to to, to be worth putting out there in two tight end formations. Because, you know, when you're running two tight ends, you're probably going to be running the football. Um, you got to be able to block to get that number two job. I do think that one of those two probably lands at the number two spot. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got a couple experienced options there in case neither of those guys are ready. Um, on top of that, you know, you look at Louis Passarello. Uh, Austin Smith was an addition last year who, you know, I like the tools. He, the, the recruiting rankings were not kind to him coming out of Texas. He joined the team pretty late too, but he's a big, fast guy, and who knows what he can do. Um, and then Zach Courtney they added last or this year as well. So dark horse for sure playing in the trenches so much, but you never know. 
uh, receiver. You lose Brendan Rice. You lose Levante Chenault. You lose Dimitri Stanley. You know, those were your pretty clear top three going into last season. This group is going to look very different. I don't necessarily think you're going to see a step down in production, though. Um, first of all, number one receiver, I think, has to be R.J. Snead at this point. Uh, he's the transfer coming in from Baylor. He was second team, all Big 12 in 2020. Uh, he's a big play threat, great hands, great ability to to track the ball in the air. Um, the catches along the sidelines are inc- incredible, incredible. And he can also run after the catch. In a lot of ways, I think he's Brendan Rice, but maybe without the the some of the speed, without some of the size, and that obviously changes the, the ceiling, right? If Brendan Rice plays to his full potential, he probably turns out to be a better player than R.J. Sneed. At the same time, though, Brendan, for, for reasons that may have mostly been out of his control last season, has not become that player. R.J. Sneed, as of right now, a better football player in a very similar mold to Brendan Rice. Um, he's your number one, and honestly, I think there's a good chance that you just upgraded your number one receiver spot. Um, number two, uh, I, I think it's Montana Lamonius Craig, a big-body guy. I think that he, uh, he, he has very good hands as well. We've seen him make some big plays already, forcing overtime. Or was that the overtime winner against Oregon State? No, that was forcing overtime. Uh, not to extend over time, but but he's he's got a surprising amount of experience for somebody who's going to be a sophomore next year. Um, I, I think that he's your number two, and I think that the big conversations start at number three. Um, I went I went Chase Penry, I went Chase Penry, and the reason is because I think that he can fit into the slot role well. And that's going to be where there's room to add this this third guy and kind of third starting receiver. Um, I also think that Jalen Jackson, if he's back and can stay healthy for his, I think, last season, then that's a great competition. Jalen is just so quick, so fast, you know, punt returner, and then kind of that speed slot sort of guy who can get open underneath but can also stretch those seams, which, again, incredibly valuable. Um I uh, I'm excited to see the slot receiver competition, and I think that that the rest of the depth chart, you know, Daniel Arias, he made some some plays that kind of justified who he is last season. You know, there there had been too many drops on deep balls. There there been just kind of a lack of production when he was out there. He turned into a fairly solid player last year at points. He he was Brendan Lewis's best target. His is. The, the target Brendan was most comfortable going to. Um, you see performances where he's he's putting up four catches and a half, and you know that's that's not typically the game for a guy who is that big. And so I, I think that he can compete for, I mean, potentially for that number two job with Montana. I think that that's probably the big battle. And I guess it, it's probably Montana, Daniel Arias, and Maurice Bell, who is another big guy, but he he missed all of last season um, with uh, I think it was a knee injury. And now he's going to be back. And he's probably probably the fastest of the three. Um, that's a tough, though. And I think that it's going to be those guys competing. Right now I have Montana winning that job, though. Uh, the way that this team has rotated receivers in the past, I think that you probably see all these guys we've talked about get in. Um, I'll also throw Ty Robinson out there. He made a couple plays. Um, the the freshman Jordan Tyson, Grant Page, Chase Sowell. I, I don't know if it's Sowell or Sowell yet, um, but maybe one of them pops as well. We we saw the true freshman last year, Penry and uh, Ty Robinson play quite a bit. Um, but as it stands right now, I've got this depth chart: R.J. Sneed, Montana Lamonius Craig, Chase Penry, Maurice Bell, Daniel Arias, uh, Jalen Jackson, Ty Robinson, and then the freshman. Um, so. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. It's going to be big competition, though. And, I mean, if you're in this top six, you're probably rotating in. At running back, uh, this this can be a quick conversation. Uh, you're number one. You have one proven back on the roster. That's Alex Fontenot. He is he's your, your guy this year. Um, that's what it looks like. Your number two, that's Deion Smith. Um, he's, he's going to be a junior this year, two years of eligibility left. We've seen him in spurts, uh, missed all of the 
2019 season, no, 2020 season with a knee injury, um, but came back last year, looked incredibly fast. Um, I think that this is kind of a thunder and lightning thing. At the same time, I mean, at six feet tall, he's a big guy too, and I know he's worked really hard to, to put on some some weight. Um, I uh, He's one of the guys I've been excited about for a couple of years now, for those of you who've been listening for that long. Um, but... I think that as of right now, that's your your one two, and they're getting the bulk of the carries. Number three, you've got Victor Venn, the, the true freshman coming in out of Georgia. He's an undersized back, but he's another speed threat. Um, and then number four, you've got Jaylee Stacks, and and he's more of your fullback type. And those are your four scholarship running backs. So I do expect probably an addition from the portal at this position as well. And I mean, flashing back to the receivers. You know, I, I don't think that CU would be too upset if they lose one of these guys. You know, you don't, you, I mean, you have Sneed. You just got Sneed. Montana seems to have kind of separated himself. Um, Penry, you're excited about. But but from kind of there down, if Daniel Arias leaves, there's a chance that that'll impact the season. I I, I think he's, he's a part of your rotation. Um, same thing with Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson. But because you have so many of those veteran guys and you've got some options, it's not it's not the end of the world, and that might be where you, you see just a little bit more attrition come. Um, I, I, at least that's what I would think. At the same time, if, if you're Maurice Bell, you see the top three leave, and you're like, ah, oh, well, maybe maybe coming back from this injury, I can just compete and get a, get a role here. Um, but, yeah, moving a scholarship from receiver to running back could make sense. And I, you almost wonder if one of these receivers, they might try out at running back. I don't know who that would be. Um, Bell, Jalen Jackson, so fast that it could be a fun look. Jordan Tyson, technically an athlete. Um, I none of these guys really fit. I don't think. Um, wrapping up the offense, quarterbacks, uh, the the big one, and this is this is obviously like the big position battle right now. They've got six scholarship quarterbacks on the team. It feels really nice after having two last year, two healthy after uh, J T. Shrout went down with the knee injury. Uh I'm giving the edge to JT Shrout right now. I'll say that. I, I, I if I if I had to bet on one of these guys twin, I'm gonna bet JT Shrout wins this job. Um it is really, really close. Um I think I think that at the end of it it's going to come down to being kind of a, a two horse race between JT Shrout and Brendan Lewis. I don't think that's a guarantee though. Um you could see one of these other four kind of working their way in. Those guys in order. If if I had to uh, if I had to bet, I, I'd take Maddox Cop at the top of the list, the Houston transfer. Um, I think that you know I I think that him and Drew Carter are on a very similar tier. Obviously, they're in the same class. They 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 have one year of experience under their belt. Didn't really see the field much either of them. And the fact that they brought in Maddox Cop while also having Drew Carter on the roster. That's why I'm giving the edge to Maddox Cop, and that's why he's the the third most likely to be the quarterback in my book, uh, followed fairly closely by Drew Carter, and then you get down to the freshman. You know, I do think that Owen McCown is a great dark horse to win, but he's a true freshman. Um, you know, the relationship with the McCowns is Carl trying to appease them. Is that an old buddy who he's he's trying to to help out? You know, I don't think so. I think obviously Carl Carl's business at this point is to win. He's got a couple years left on his contract, and he needs to go win games. And I don't think that he's going to put the second-best quarterback in because he just wants to give that kid a chance to play. Um, at the same time, though, you know the numbers that Owen was putting up in Texas high school football, they're impressive. Impressive enough to, to make him the number three recruit um, for, for Colorado. So worth keeping an eye on. And then, I mean, the ultimate dark horse, Oki Salavea, he comes in uh, from the, from the islands, from American Samoa. He he's he's listed as an athlete. We'll say that, but it does sound like he is going to start out at quarterback, and then if if that doesn't work out, or if that's something where they're like, yeah, yeah, we could see it in a couple of years. Until then, go play tight end for us. You know that then they'll start moving him around a little bit. So I think I think you look at tight end. I think you look at linebacker. Um, potentially even safety too, if he really moves that well. Um, and hey, he'd be a running back too. He'd be really big. 
Um, but the way that this is shaping up, maybe it's worth a try. Um, so, so he's kind of last on the list, but maybe, maybe there's packages for him. Packages where you want to bring him in as more of a wildcat type. I don't know. Um, but that's how I break it down. Again, the list is Brendan or sorry, JT Shrout one, Brendan Lewis two, Cop Carter, McCown, Salavea. Um, you also have Jordan Wolverton, James Mott, the the non scholarship guys. I I they probably won't be factors in this. Um, all right, on to the defense. On to the defense, and then special teams after that. We got ways to go. Uh, let's start in the trenches again. Uh, right now, Terrence Lang is your number one lineman. He's a he's a name to watch over the next week or two for sure. Um, but as it stands now, he's he's your best lineman, followed fairly closely by Jalen Sami. Um, in this, typically, typically it's a three man front for CU. You have two of those locked in. Naeem Rodman is another really good player. You've got a solid top three right there, and. Um, if that stays the same, I think you feel pretty good about this group. From there, though, you know, you've got Janaz Jordan. I think that he's probably a big factor. He's probably your number four, followed by Justin Jackson. You know, Jeremiah Doss, he missed all of last season with a knee injury. What can he do this season? I think that that's a big question. He could be a big riser after, after you know, just we, we didn't see any of the growth that, that came last year. So double that growth and see where he's at. Um, some of the younger guys, you know, Tyus Martin, Alan Baugh came in last year. They they could absolutely pop. Um, Ryan Williams also came in last year. I think that those are definitely names to pay attention to. And then uh, Aaron Austin is your, your true freshman in the room. But still, I think if you're rotating six or seven guys in, Terrence Lang, Jalen Sami, Naeem Robin, that's your top three. And then you've got Janaz Jordan, uh, as I think you're number four. And if it's if it's six guys, then you've got Justin Jackson, Jeremiah Doss, Tyus Martin, Alan Baugh, kind of competing for, for two jobs there. And maybe they expand the rotation a little bit. Maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe somebody transfers. Who knows? Um, but that's, I mean, that's a solid group. It, it's, it's basically what you had last year, just without Mustafa, right? So that's a, it's a solid start. Um, I don't think you need to add there unless you lose something there. And then you could have that conversation. Um, and honestly, they, they might have added something. You know, I'm not sure whether Chance Main is going to be playing defensive line or outside linebacker. I think I have him pegged probably as an outside linebacker, but it, it's probably 50-50. You know, he, he was an Independence Community College guy, then goes to Incarnate Word, and then uh, is now transferring to Colorado. Um, we'll see how he fits in, um, but... but Potentially could do either. Potentially just a pass rusher. Um, at outside linebacker, though, you've got Guy Thomas coming back from the injury, uh, Josh Gustav, Jamar Montgomery, Devin Grant. It's a it's a good top four. You know, you lose Carson Wells, but that was probably the deepest group on the team last year. Yeah, you look at cornerbacks, running backs too, I guess. Receivers at the time. But as of right now, I mean... Four guys for two positions is good. Plus, and you still got Alvin Williams on his way. Zion Magale, they're probably your next two up. Um, but, I mean, this, this freshman class, too, you bring in Owen Carey. He's your number four recruit. Shaquan Bowser's your number five recruit. They're, they're still stacked at outside linebacker. Um, and that's a, a Chance Main could play either. That, that front seven, uh, front five, I guess, if you have that five-man front with... Uh, those two linebackers up there, that's really solid. Question, though, is that the inside linebacker. And, and if you get something out of there, then, then yeah, then, then your front seven looks incredible. Um, right now, I've got Quinn Perry as, as your middle linebacker. I think that just because we saw him fill in for Nate last year, that probably makes the most sense. Um, there, there, there will be competition, though. You know, Robert Barnes, I think, potentially steps into a starting role. Um, Marvin Hamm. He he plays very similarly, I think, to Robert Barnes. Those two might be competing. Jack Lamb, curious to see what he can do. Uh, he'll have, I think, two years left. I think he has two years left, yeah. Um, but but can he compete? He's more of your mobile guy, a little bit smaller. Um, and then Mr. Williams, uh, who could be ready to, to play this year. And all of a sudden, that's five guys for two, two spar- starting spots. 
and and sub packages potentially even less or who knows um you have depth inside linebacker I just don't know whether you have the top end that you need but because you have so much depth there's potential for any of these guys to break out which would be obviously very very useful for Colorado um you know Aubrey Smith He's your number two recruit in this class. He's coming in from Georgia, same same high school as Victor Venn. That's exciting. Um, so we'll see we'll see if he can compete and get some reps early on. A couple other guys coming in: Caden Ludwig, Isaac Hurtado. Um, but it does seem like the upperclassmen this year will get most of the reps, and those names will probably come up more next season. Cornerbacks: uh, um, Nigel Bethel. I think that this is kind of his show now. Uh, he was the number three last year, part of that really dominant trio. He was usually drawing some easier assignments because he had Mikai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez out there. Um, but, you know, it's time for him to step up, and he's he's kind of the vet in the room. I guess Jalen Stryker fits that category too. He missed most of last season with, uh, was he knee? I think he was knee injury as well. Um, so... I actually have Stryker behind Kalen Moore and Nico Reed. They were two true freshmen last year who played really well when they were out there um, because of the injuries that the Buffs sustained. I think that Bethel Moore Reed was going to be my bet for your your top three here with Stryker competing and kind of being that rotational piece. Uh, but there's there's four true freshmen coming in as well with Josh Wiggins, Jason Oliver, um, Simeon Harris, uh, Keyshawn Mills. So. Again, it looks like those guys will probably... I mean, honestly, your fifth corner is going to see the field over the course of the season, and potentially your sixth, too. So we'll see how that works. And the fact that we saw so much of Kalen Moore and Nico Reed last year makes you think that we'll probably see some of these guys, too. Um, At safety, Isaiah Lewis back. He's your real vet. Um, Tyron Taylor switched from cornerback to safety last year about halfway through the season. Um, he was one of those true freshmen who played a bunch last year. Trevor Woods played a bunch last year at safety. I think that those are probably your top three at safety. Potential for Tyron Taylor to go back to cornerback too, depending on how camp goes for for all these guys at both positions. Um, but I do have Lewis, Taylor, Woods as your top three. I think Ray Robinson's going to be back next year. Um, Torin Pittman, he was a big name. I think that was in Mel's recruiting class when he was here hasn't hasn't seen the field all that much at all but he could be somebody who's worth paying attention to you know if you wind up in a world where he really breaks out in spring ball well then maybe you're looking at it with ray robinson isaiah lewis trevor woods as your three safeties and then tyron taylor becomes kind of your your big corner and it's taylor nigel bethel and the winner of kalen moore nico reed um, who knows maybe even jalen Stryker beats those guys out so the combinations in this secondary are kind of endless just because they cross-train these guys and you have a few who could play either position. And you've got some guys who are very talented who will be becoming upperclassmen this year. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. Also worth noting, their top recruit this year, Dylan Dixon, is a safety. So there's another name to watch. Could he beat out Trevor Woods? Could he beat out Tyron Taylor, Isaiah Lewis? It's very possible. Um Kicker, it's Cole Becker. They've also got Evan Price and Mac Willis in there, um, but it's Cole Becker. Uh, punter, you've got Ashton Logan. Uh, you've you've got Noah Hubbard. Ashton Logan on scholarship. It's his job now. That's why Josh Watts left because I, I think you made it pretty clear that it's Ashton Logan's turn. Um, so you got Becker at kicker, Logan at punter. A young duo, but very talented. Um, punt returner, I'm gonna give it to Jalen Jackson. Uh, it, it was Dimitri Stanley last year. He did he did a very good job. I think that with Jalen Jackson bat, he he's just so electric. You got to put him back there. Um, I, my number two, I just threw Penry out, but there's a lot of guys competing just because they went the slot receiver route because Penry returned a couple punts before. Um, I put him at number two. Kick returner, I went Jalen Jackson again. I really he's just so fast. Um, I put Deion Smith number two, even though. You know, Dion as your number two back, you might not want to subject him to to playing as a kick returner because if he gets hurt, then you're really thin. I, 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 they will add a running back. Like, there's no way that you go into the season with three 
scholarship or four scholarship running backs, one of which is a fullback. And so that could change the math a little bit, especially if they bring in somebody who they expect to 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 be in front of Deion Smith on the death chart. Um, as of right now, I'm throwing him in there at number two. Um, Maurice Bell, number three, he he was their kick returner. Um, he was out there. They might have let Brendan get first. But but the point is, before he got hurt, he was out there. Nico Reed is my number four. He was out there last year. Those guys could be punt returners too. Um, but there we go. That's We did it. That's the depth chart. Um, running through the starters real quick just to close things out. Quarterback, J.T. Shrout. Running back, Alex Fontenot. Receiver, we're going Sneed, Montana, Penry. Um, tight end, Brady Russell. Offensive line, we're going Jake Wiley, left tackle. Um, Casey Roddick, left guard. Center is Josh Gines. Right guard is Tommy Brown. Right tackle, Frank Phillip. Um, a whole lot to be decided there. A whole lot to be decided there. But um, defensive line, going Lang, Sami, Rodman. Outside linebackers, Guy Thomas, Josh Gustav. Uh, inside linebackers, Quinn Perry, Robert Barnes, uh, corners, Nigel Bethel, Kalen Moore, Nico Reed, uh, safeties, Isaiah Lewis, Tyron Taylor, Trevor Woods, um, kicker Cole Becker, punter Ashton Logan, punt returner Jalen Jackson, kick returners Jalen Jackson and Deion Smith. And there we go. There we go. Uh, I have fun today. It's now 321 which means I've got to leave for Boulder in 40 minutes. No gym happening. I'm going to get in the shower. I'm going to get this posted. And uh, we'll talk tomorrow about this basketball stuff. Definitely exciting day with the NIL news. Definitely exciting day with Tommy Brown. And we will talk tomorrow. <laughs>